For those of you who don't know who David Hartwig is, that's me. Otherwise, mostly known by Twig. And I've gone by that since seventh grade. But um, Bill and I are very happy to be here with you today. We started this process probably a year ago almost. Um, Bill came up with the idea as being new back to the, into the Canton area, moving from down from Aurora, Chicago suburbs, retiring from Navistar as a financial analyst, and we're like, Faith Bible Camp Board, Navistar. But he came on the camp board and said, you know, I've never really met all the camp pastors and seen all the camp churches and suggested the idea of doing a camp tour. And you guys are at the very tail end of our Faith Bible Camp Tour. We have two more churches yet to go. Our whole purpose in coming today and asking for a missions moment was mostly to say thank you for being involved at Faith Bible Camp. Thank you for giving everything that you give, for doing everything that you do. And your church really is part of the heart and soul of Faith Bible Camp. Um, probably if I ask everybody who's been involved at Faith Bible Camp to stand up, and probably most of you would be standing up and it would embarrass some of you who haven't been out there yet. So that's how many here today have actually been out at camp and worked out at camp and been involved there. But I will turn it over to Bill Burkhead and let him share his comments as a board member and as our treasurer. Yes, as Twig said, we really wanted to come out and say thank you. Uh, I wanted to make sure I knew where all the facilities were, meet their pastors, meet their people. But mostly we just wanted to say thank you. Uh, we have an annual fundraising banquet, which is held here. We have the harvest dinner at the camp in November. But a lot of people aren't able to be there to hear our thank yous. So I said we need to go and stand in front of all of our member churches people and say thank you personally. So that's why we're here. Uh, we've found over the years that uh, in order to reach a young mind for the gospel message, uh, it, it works much better if there's a team effect, whether there's a, a, an engaged family at home, an engaged church family, and then an engaged church camp, hearing a consistent message throughout those three. So we are in partnership with with your families and with your church uh, if what we're trying to do at the camp. And I would encourage you, uh, if you haven't been to the camp for a while, during a week of camp, come out some week when there's a week of camp and see what's going on there. You'll just be amazed. The engagement with the uh, counselors, with the junior counselors, and with the, uh, the whoever's leading the camp that week, the director that week. I mean, it, it's just amazing to see the love and uh, hear the gospel message that they're hearing and to see their enthusiasm. And I think one of the things that I've been encouraged by as we've done these uh, church tours is to see and feel the enthusiasm that our member churches have for the camp and what's going on there. And without all of you, uh, we would not exist. Uh, we would have to charge so much that no one could afford to come. So it, it takes that group of 13 member churches and their individual congregants who give to the camp also and who volunteer. Volunteering is very important. That's a big part of how the camp gets so many things done 
uh, with very little money as volunteers. And, and it's wonderful to see people out there. Uh, we're very pleased to have Ron Smith on the board. And, and Susan has helped out at the camp as well. And just to have people who are strong advocates for the camp uh, from this church is, is very meaningful to us. So, again, thank you very much. Okay, well, I guess that's my cue. I can begin my message time. But before I actually begin my message, I, I, I need to tell at least a couple of stories on your son, Bob. Um, I have more on Bob, but I have a few on Matt. And one of the pleasures is knowing that up in heaven today, I personally was good friends with two pastors who are grinning from ear to ear, knowing that you've called Matt Spangler to be your pastor. One would be Mike Barr. Um, he began our Romania missions program, and Matt was involved in that. The other pastor up in heaven smiling today would be Pastor Al Summers, who passed away from cancer at Checkrow Church. Those two pastors would be smiling down in heaven knowing that you've called Matt to be your pastor. One of my favorite Romania pictures that we've had in 20 years of going to Romania, there's this picture of this guy sitting in a mountain stream in a recliner that kind of looks like, in a, on a rock that kind of looks like a recliner. He's got his arms spread out, big smile on his face, and the mountain stream is rushing around him. And all that's really sticking out is his head. And that's you, Matt. <laughs> and uh, that was in, we were talking before church, that was in 2008, 10 years ago. And for all practical purposes, Matt went on that trip planning to go to U of I and planning to be an agriculture major. And I think it had been bubbling under the surface for a while. But during that trip, and, and Matt finished the story for me this morning, I asked him who he stayed with or, or who said it. But there's a teenage girl at the end of the missions trip that looked Matt square in the eye and said, Matt, you're going to make a great pastor someday. And this was when we all thought Matt was going to be a farmer. And Matt, Matt came home and, and talked to his family. And, and a couple of weeks ago when I talked to his grandpa, brought up the name of Matt, and Bruce had tears in his eyes. They were very proud of you. And that's, that's a heritage, a family line that, that is very valuable in your ministry. The girl that looked at Matt in the eye and said, you're going to make a great pastor someday. You need to hear the story behind her life. Her dad was a Olympic qualified wrestler in Romania under communism. He qualified for the Olympic team, but he was told, if you will not renounce your faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot be on the Olympic team. And he said, I will not renounce my faith in Jesus Christ and gave up going to the Olympics to be a school teacher in Romania. And that man's young daughter was the one that looked at Matt and said, you're going to be a great pastor. So you, you have a good one. And, and I'm thrilled that he's actually related to me too. So <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about how in our world today, we look at all the problems going on. We look at all the struggles going on. We look at the pressures we face as believers and, and going out into our world and, and being told, well, you can't, you can't really talk about Jesus. And no, you can't do Jesus this and you can't do Jesus that. 
And I just wanted to share with you a little bit of, of history from the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 3, 4, and talk about even though we think we're reinventing the wheel with some of this you can't talk about Jesus stuff, it's been around since the time of the disciples. Even a few years ago when several of us from our camp churches got together and we went to Israel, and I'd never realized this, but if you go up to Temple Mount in Israel, the site where Abraham offered Isaac his son as a sacrifice, the site where the Temple Mount is built on Mount Moriah, when you go up to the Temple Mount, you go through a police scanner and they confiscate your Bibles. They confiscate any magazines that are Christian or, or Jesus-related. It's controlled by the Muslims. There's men with machine guns up there keeping the peace. And it's pretty much an entire Muslim location today. But in that very location, as our, as our team of tourists were standing there talking about the significance of the Temple Mount, we were warned by the authorities, you are not allowed to talk about Jesus here. And, and I'm thinking, this is Temple Mount. This is where the temple was. This is where Peter and John preached those sermons when the church was beginning. And, a lot, and they were told you can't teach or preach in Jesus' name. So when you hear that today, it's not a new struggle. Satan has been working since the time that Christ walked the earth trying to tell us that we are not allowed to teach and preach in Jesus' name. It, it is the most healthy thing we can do as a church, is preach and teach in Jesus' name. I kind of pick up the story after the fact. It's in Acts chapter 4, thir verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's a very, very powerful verse. And here's why. We, we would put it in our world today. We would say, well, they're kind of being marginalized. They don't have the right credentials to be teaching in the synagogue. We would kind of say, well, they, they don't have the right education. They didn't go to the right schools. How dare they think they're qualified to teach what should be taught in the synagogue? And they called them illiterate men, basically. But it just, it flies in the face of reality when those, quote, illiterate men wrote First and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, and the book of Revelation. They knew how to read and write, but they, they weren't teaching the correct doctrine according to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the rulers who ruled Jerusalem at the time. So they, they were marginalized because of their academic credentials, but they were also marginalized because of their religious qualifications. And I, and I love that verse because what a badge of honor. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What a compliment to those men, Peter and John. Looking at those men, hearing them teach, they knew instantly that those men had been hanging out with that scandalous rabbi who they had just finished crucifying on the cross. What an amazing badge of honor to have on them. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
do people recognize every day that we have been with Jesus? Verse 14 goes on and says, But seeing the man who was healed standing in front of them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And in our world today, it's kind of the same thing. We're taught, well, you have to be neutral. You really can't take an opinion based on what the Bible says because that's just what you believe. It may not be true for somebody else. And when, and when you look at it from their perspective back then, 2,000 years ago, they were under Greek and Roman rule. And there was a rule that says you are not allowed to establish a new religion that isn't approved by the state. And here you have Jesus, this scandalous rabbi who they've crucified, and now they're claiming has risen from the dead and that he can save them from their sins. And the philosophy they're battling against is you are not allowed to create a new religion. The problem is there's a lame man who was sitting at the beautiful gate for years asking for alms in chapter 3. He was healed, and he's standing there with Peter and John as they're preaching in Solomon's portico on Temple Mount. And their people are saying, isn't that the guy that was healed? Did you hear how he was healed? All they did was say, in Jesus' name, get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was healed with the speaking of a name. And that word was buzzing all over the city of Jerusalem at the time. And this man is standing there, and what do you do if you're one of these authorities saying, you cannot teach or preach in Jesus' name, but in Jesus' name, you've got this lame man standing right beside you, and neutrality goes out the window. You cannot be neutral when you see the lame man. And you know that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth's name that he was healed in. Sometimes today in our world we're told, well, there are no absolutes. There is, there, you can't say that your truth is the only truth. Just because you believe it's that way, somebody else might believe it a different way. And the Bible is very clear. There are absolute truths. One very clear verse, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We'll come to that in a bit. Verse 17, we go on. Well, verse 15 says, But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. They, they had a business meeting or a board meeting or whatever they have to figure out what to do with Peter and John and the lame man. And they came back, verse 16, saying, What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Verse 17, But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. On Temple Mount a risen Christ as evidence, they are still told you cannot teach or preach in Jesus' name. Are our times any different? 
Not if you attend Argyle Bible Church and you're a teenager and you're the valedictorian of your class at West Prairie High School over just outside of Macomb and part of your graduation speech is the gospel. According to Jesus Christ, you are told you cannot teach, you cannot give a graduation speech if you're going to use Jesus in your graduation speech. And that made the national news. In our little community here, teenager from Argyle Bible Church, very small church down near Colchester. We're not dealing with new problems. Verse 18, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in Jesus' name. It goes higher than that even in our government. Many times when a soldier is returned home and the honor guard gives the flag to the family, they say, God bless you and God bless the United States of America. That used to be what they were allowed to say. They're not supposed to say that anymore. One family requested that the honor guard do say that. The honor guard did say that, and the man who said it was fired from his job. It's a very cruel world when you use Jesus' name. One high school student named Josh Danes was awarded the Promise Scholarship to attend the college of his choice. He was a double major in business and Christian ministries, But because he was a double major and had Christian ministries as a second major, he was denied the scholarship. Not allowed to study Christianity. We go through that whole process and then reality, just like the lame man that's healed standing beside you and it makes its way through the court system, goes to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And behind all the justices' heads, even though they say you cannot have your faith in court, The Ten Commandments and Moses are on the wall engraved behind them. And again, how can you say that neutrality is an option? It's not. Our faith is there. So they called the man, charged him not to speak and teach in Jesus' name. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must be the judge. And Peter and John are saying, we've lived this experience. We know this experience to be true. We can't help talking about it. You know we have to talk about it. In our society, they wouldn't have said, well, we're going to be a witness by how well we keep our grass and our lawn. They wouldn't have taken that approach. They wouldn't have waited and said, well, we just need to wait until we get more of our people on the courts. Or they wouldn't have said, well, just if we can make sure Tiger Woods gets saved. You know, they didn't make excuses for their faith. They made good on their commitment to Christ. I love the quote that says, God's name is above any other name or fame. And there's a verse I love that goes along with that out of Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will not give to another nor my praise to craven idols. God does not share His glory. And there are times when God is not tolerant. He is not tolerant of sin. Verse 20, For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
2 Timothy 3.12 tells us that as a Christian, teaching and preaching in Jesus' name, we will be persecuted at times. It doesn't mean that we stop. It doesn't mean that we fold and cave. Again, I repeat that verse, I will not share my glory with another. And then in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then I love this in verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. I don't know if you realize the significance of that statement in that verse, because the church of Jesus Christ, the message of the good news of Christ dying for your sins, rising from the dead, wiping away your sin, paying the price, That early church was already at 10,000 people, and that was in Jerusalem. So this was not a small community church that met out under a tree somewhere. This was a mega church, thriving and flourishing and growing. Yes, they met in houses. Yes, they met in barns. They met around the meal table. But it was a huge movement following Christ. And I could see... Peter and, Peter and John, and then getting the finger pointed at them now, if you don't stop preaching and teaching in Jesus' name, we're going to take away all of your stuff. And, and I know in their mind they were saying, that's all right. We gave it all away in Acts chapter 2 before this story even happened. Okay, well, if you don't stop teaching and preaching in Jesus' name, and they, they've got their finger out there, we're going to put you in jail. And their response in their mind would be going like you did Paul and Silas when the jail fell apart and, and everybody got saved. And they would even point and say, if you carry it too far, we will even kill you if you don't quit preaching and teaching in Jesus' name. And it's in their minds. It just happened like you did Jesus and he rose from the dead three days later. They are not afraid or ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm going to jump all the way down to 23 through 31 and and just close with this. Verse 29. This is after they've been released. They've, They've been lectured by the Sanhedrin. They've been told they can't teach or preach in Jesus' name. Their answer has been, we can't help but do it. What are you going to do to us? They're released and they go back to their house church. And they celebrated. They threw a party. But what I really want you to see down in verse 29 is the prayer that the early church believers prayed, which should be our prayer for every church in America today, around the world. Here's what it says, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I just love this start the story of the early church and how it starts in the book of Acts. Because we read it back then as a history book and we see everything that happened and we say, well, that was back then. This is how they lived. But the the Word of God is for everyone every day. And we look at our society today and the very same things that the early disciples were going through in building the church, we go through in building our church today. And our prayer should be, 
Give us the boldness to share the gospel of Christ. Our, the Reformers did that 500 years ago. And they came up with the five solas. And my favorite one is the very last one, Soli Deo Gloria. But it's basically, it says, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to our scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. And we are humble servants in the ministry of working out the gospel of Christ for the glory of God alone. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings that you give us. We even thank you that the persecutions, the trials, the times we are told we are not allowed to speak in your name. We thank you that is an opportunity for us to present Christ, to stand bold, to say how can we help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Pray your blessings on this church and this congregation, their pastoral staff as they begin a new season in the church life. We ask these things in your name. Amen.